This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Ephesians 5.11. Guys, before we get into today's episode, if you haven't gotten our book list yet, that is how a lot of people have actually found us because we released the 100 books every modern Christian man should read list. It is on our website. The link will be in the show notes, but it's just undaunted.life backslash book list. You guys should definitely check out that material. And let's go ahead and get into the episode for today because on episode 243, that was the episode Normalizing Pedophilia, Your Kid's Classroom and Library. That was released a week ago. I had a throwaway line, what I thought to be a throwaway line, where I mentioned that recently the National School Boards Association sent a letter to co-president Biden and the rest of the White House saying that they wanted the federal government to send federal law enforcement to school board meetings to address this supposed growing number of threats of violence and acts of intimidation across the nation, blah, 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 right? Again, it was a throwaway line. Like I just kind of mentioned it and then moved on. You may have even missed it. But that story has continued to expand after the beginning of last week because I recorded the episode, I guess, a week before I released it, and it just kept coming out and kept growing and kept growing. But if you miss out on all that and you have no idea what I'm talking about, let me go ahead and catch you up to speed. So as you've known, all spring, all summer, and into this fall, parents have been going to school board meetings across the country. Again, there's thousands and thousands of school boards to fight back against things like mask mandates in schools, you know, vaccine mandates, which are coming around a lot now, critical race theory being taught in the classroom, sexually explicit or perverse materials in their kids' classrooms and libraries, et cetera, et cetera, right? Now, I went through several examples of this on episode 243. So you should definitely go listen to that. It might, it would actually serve as a really good primer for the episode that we're going to do today. So if you haven't listened to 243, make sure you do that. But here's the deal. The National School Boards Association did send that letter directly to co-president Biden on September the 29th, 2021. And it claimed that their educational leaders are under quote, an immediate threat, unquote. Okay. So what they asked for, they asked for federal law enforcement officers to help school boards deal with quote, the growing number of threats of violence and acts of intimidation occurring across the nation, unquote. So they even go so far as to ask the department of justice, the DOJ to use the Patriot act to help, you know, the, the Patriot act, the Patriot act, which was created during Bush, the younger's administration to prevent another nine 11 and to prevent homegrown domestic terrorism. They want them to use the Patriot Act as it pertains to parents. Interesting. We'll definitely spend a lot more time on that here in a second. But on Monday, October the 4th, 2021, Attorney General Merrick Garland responded to that letter, validated the list of concerns, and vowed to use the power of the federal government to crack down on what he calls, quote, violent threats against school officials and teachers, unquote. And we're going to get really, really into that. But just as an aside, Aren't you so glad that Merrick Garland is not on the Supreme Court right now? I mean, we were told by Barack Obama, who is obviously the most trustworthy person ever because he was really good at speeches, right? But this guy was told, he was told to us that he was going to be a moderate. This guy was going to be a moderate. And he's been anything but now that he's the chief, you know, law enforcement officer in the country. 
right? And this is an authoritarian push, which we're definitely going to get more into here in a second. But there was a lot of reaction to this letter from Merrick Garland. So conservatives and Republicans, they hate it, obviously, and leftists and Democrats, they love it. But there were House Republicans led by Representative Chip Roy of Texas. They sent a letter to the Biden administration and A.G. Garland calling the memo an effort to weaponize the DOJ and to curb constitutional rights. You have U.S. Senator Rand Paul, who's been a gangster as of late, but he's a senator from Kentucky. He said that, and this is a quote, quote, moms at school board are being told that they're criminals, potential domestic terrorists for the crime of dissent. And I think criminalizing dissent is something that we should all be appalled with, unquote. And then you also had the Missouri uh, Attorney General Eric Schmidt. He said this, quote, Biden's Department of Justice is weaponizing its resources against parents who dare to advocate for their children. This dangerous federal overreach imposes a chilling effect on free speech by criminalizing dissent. I will always advocate for parents and will continue to push back against unprecedented federal overreach, unquote. But then the, the CEO, of the NSBA, right? The National School Boards Association, Chip Slavin. He had this to say, he loved it. So here's his quote, quote, the individuals who are intent on causing chaos and disruption and disrupting our schools, many of whom are not even connected to local schools, are drowning out the voices of parents who must be heard when it comes to decisions about their children's education, health and safety. These acts of intimidation are also affecting educational services and school board governance. Some have even led to school lockdowns. The U.S. Department of Justice's swift action in response to NSBA's request is a strong message to individuals with violent intent who are focused on causing chaos, disrupting our public schools and driving wedges between school boards and the parents, students, and communities they serve. We need to get back to the work of meeting all students' needs and making sure that each student is prepared for a successful future. That's what school board members and parents are about. That's what they care about, unquote. This guy, I mean, he's basically like Jesus, this guy. He's just, he cares about our kids so much and he can't keep having these people, these parents, that, that that certainly don't care as much about their kids as he does getting in the way. He just can't have that anymore. Okay. But one thing I want to do here is I actually want to break down the letter from the NSBA, the National School Boards Association to co-president Biden. Okay. Now it is several pages long and I'm not going to do all of it. I'm just going to pull out a few sections and I'm going to leave a link to the letter in the show notes, because if you think I'm, you know, categorizing anything differently or presenting it to you inaccurately, you can read it for yourself. But here are some of the highlights. Here's the first one. This is a quote, quote, Local school board members want to hear from their communities on important issues, and that must be at the forefront of good school board governance and promotion of free speech. However, there also must be safeguards in place to protect public schools and dedicated education leaders as they do their jobs. Unquote. So here's the thing about that. They want to hear from the communities and they want to promote free speech and, and have proper governance as long as it's 100% in agreement of what they want to do. So basically what they're saying in that section is they 100% want you to come and have your voice heard if you agree with them. But if you don't, they're going to categorize you differently, right? They're going to talk about how we need to put safeguards in to protect our people. That that's kind of the, 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 what's actually being said there. That's what's undergirding the things that they're saying. So let's go to another section here. Quote, as these acts of malice, violence, and threats against public school officials have increased, the classification of these heinous actions could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes. As such, NSBA requests a joint ex, uh, expedited review of the U.S. Department of Justice's education and homeland security, along with the appropriate training, coordination, investigations, and enforcement mechanisms from the FBI, including any technical assistance necessary from and state and local 
uh, coordination with its National Security Branch and Counterterrorism Division, as well as any other federal agency with relevant jurisdictional authority and oversight. Additionally, NSBA requests that such review exam examine appropriate enforceable actions against these crimes and acts of violence under the Gun-Free Zones Act, the Patriot Act in regard to domestic terrorism, the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, the Violent Interference with Federally Protected Rights Statutes, the Conspiracy Against Rights Statutes, an executive order to enforce all applicable federal laws for the protection of students and public school district personnel and any related measure. As the threats grow and news of extremist hate organizations showing up at school board meetings is being reported, this is a critical time for a proactive approach to deal with this difficult issue. So there's a lot there, but let's go into the things individually. Let's go right back to the beginning here. And there was this quote, as these acts of malice, violence, and threats against public school officials have increased, the classification of these heinous actions could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes. So translation, what the NSBA is saying that when a parent gets up and threatens to get the person kicked off the school board to demands that they resign or demands that they remove pedophilic pornographic books from their kid's library, that that could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes. I mean, my goodness, the hoops that the lawyer that wrote that sentence had to go through my, I mean, because it's again, actions could be, there's your first one, the equivalent to a form of, there's your second one in the domestic terrorism and hate crimes. It is absolutely astounding that they would even say something like that. But again, you could even see in that sentence that they're trying to cover their butts because parents are probably going to sue them for this. And, you know, God help them. I hope they, if they win, I hope they take them for everything they're worth. But then you saw there towards the end of that segment, they were talking about several different acts and, you know, government laws and different things. And you're like, wait, wait a minute, how do these things apply? So let me run down what each one of those things were again, because I mentioned them kind of quickly and say what they are. So there was the gun free zones or the gun free school zones act of 1990. So this is an act of us Congress that prohibits any other, any unauthorized individual from knowingly possessing a loaded or unsecured firearm at a place that the individual knows or has reasonable cause to believe is a school zone. Okay. Then you have the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act of 2009, and that was conceived as a response to the murders of Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr., both in 1998. The measure expands the 1969 United States federal hate crime law to include crimes motivated by the victim's actual or perceived gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability. Then they mentioned the violent interference with federally protected rights statute. So the statute makes it a crime to use or threaten to use force to willfully interfere with any person because of race, color, religion, or national origin. And because the person is participating in a federally protected activity, such as public education, employment, jury service, travel, or the enjoyment of public accommodations or helping another person to do so. And then they mentioned the conspiracy against rights statute, which this statute makes it unlawful for two or more persons to conspire to injure, threaten, or intimidate any person in any state, territory, or district in a free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him or her by the Constitution or the laws of the United States. Okay. So this is what you might be thinking right now. What do all of those laws and statutes have to do with this situation? And the answer is pretty clear. Absolutely nothing. Those statutes and those laws have to do with Nothing being described. And again, remember, they invoked the Patriot Act earlier. Okay. Essentially, the reason that they're mentioning these things in the letter 
is it's just giving them the justifications by which they will label and call angry parents domestic terrorists guilty of hate crimes. That's why they're doing this. Because there's no other logical explanation. Why would you elucidate those things? Why would you even include those different acts and laws in there? Unless you were planning on, on calling these people and categorizing them in a certain way. And here's the third section here I'll read. Quote, NSBA believes public discussions and transparency by local school board members are important for the safe and effective operations of schools. It is vital that public discourses be encouraged in a safe and open environment in which varying viewpoints can be offered in a peaceful manner. Our children are watching the examples of the current debates, and we must encourage a positive dialogue, even with different opinions. However, with such acute threats and actions that are disruptive to our students' well-being, to the safety of public school officials and personnel, and to interstate commerce, we urge the federal government's intervention against individuals or hate groups who are targeting our schools and educators, unquote. Now, one thing that you have to remember is anytime you see someone use the word, any time you see someone with this worldview, use the word safe, right? They mean where you don't challenge them. Because when you come to them, with an idea that is contrary to their idea, that's considered unsafe. Again, we've expanded the definition of violence way beyond actual physical harm to somebody to include, hey, you didn't make me feel safe because my ideas were being challenged. And you like how at the end there, they just kind of throw in, you know, the federal government's intervention against individuals or hate groups who are targeting our schools and educators as if they're the same thing. It's like they want us to equivocate these people in our brains. Now, guys, now, I just want to be fair here because I know some of you might be thinking, well, Kyle, if there are domestic terrorists threatening or, or you know, saying that they're going to do violence to people on school boards, wouldn't you want to protect these people? To which I would say, yeah, of course, but that's not what we're dealing with here. You know how I know? The letter that they sent to co-president Biden cites a bunch of examples of what they deem to be harassment and intimidation. But the letter cites one example of actual physical violence. One in the whole country, thousands and thousands of school boards, thousands and thousands of school board meetings. Okay. And this was what it was. It was some dude named Alex Feldy. He reportedly disturbed a school board meeting for Unity High School in Minden, Illinois. Now, as he was being escorted out of the building by school board officials or whoever was there, he allegedly struck one of them. So I don't know what that means. Did he actually, you know, hit them? Did he, you know, just kind of push them with his elbow? We don't know yet, right? Because as of right now, it's just an allegation. But let's assume he did do that. On his way out, he just, you know, gave a guy a slobber knocker, right? Just right, right to the kisser. That's it. That's the main example. They're reaching out to the Department of Justice and federal law enforcement because one guy in one city at one time might have hit somebody on his way out of the building. But guys, in order for them to prove their point, that they are under these, these dire circumstances, they have to lump all negative things into the same category and pretend that they're the same, okay? So these people, the NSBA and other people like them, their perception of harassment and intimidation and threats and violence are just as bad as actual violence, categorically. They have to lump them all in together. They mention them in the same sentence in the same way as if those things are created equal, which anyone with a functioning brain realizes that that's not true. Because if you were to stand outside my house right now and say, Kyle, I hate you. You're stupid. 
Okay, that could be harassment. If you stay there and then you come every day at the same time to do that, it might actually get a little bit funny. But then if you were to intimidate me, if you were to, you know, come to me as I'm leaving the neighborhood and say, hey, you're really stupid. I hate your face. I want to hit it. Right. Okay. Well, that's intimidation like that. That's a little bit different than just straight up harassment. And then there's the threat of violence, which was in there as well. But if you're like, no, seriously, the next time I see you, I'm going to put this, these knuckles right in your face. I'm going to do it. There's nothing you can do about it. Again, that's a threat of violence. That's, that's, you know, going a little bit further. But then if the next time you see me, if you actually do, you know, (laughs) give me your best shot, you punch me in the face. That's different. At each of these levels, these things are not the same. But in order to, to, to have the effect that they want of this letter on the federal government, in order to actionize them and weaponize them, they have to lump them all together. But now I actually want to break down the response from the DOJ, right? So from the Attorney General Merrick Garland, because the full text of his memo, it's only one page long. It'll be in the show notes, but there's one key section from this that I want to read to you. And it says, quote, Coordination and partnership with local law enforcement is critical to implementing these measures for the benefit of our nation's nearly 14,000 public school districts. To this end, I am directing the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, working with each United States attorney to convene meetings with federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial leaders in each federal jurisdiction or judicial district within 30 days of the issuance of this memorandum. These meetings will facilitate the discussion of strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff, and will open dedicated lines of communication for threat reporting assessment and response. The department of is steadfast in its commitment to protect all people in the United States from violence, threats of violence, and other forms of intimidation and harassment. Now this memo cites zero examples of harassment, intimidation, or threats of violence from parents. None, none whatsoever. But I do want to give you a little bit of a recap. Okay. So in the eyes of the FBI and the department of justice, if you want to loot someone else's store, if you want to burn buildings down, if you want to take over police stations, if you want to throw crap through store windows, all in the name of racial justice or fighting against systemic racism, that's all good. All good. We're good here. If you want to follow a female United States senator into the bathroom and film her, as people did in Arizona with Senator Kristen Cinema, because they disagree with some of the things she's doing politically, all good. No issues here. Ah, it's just, it's just something that happens. It's just something that people do. But if parents get angry at a school board meeting and vow to protect their children at all costs, they must be treated like terrorists. It's the only logical way of operating. They have to be treated like terrorists, right? Because just think about this. Let's say Merrick Garland responded in this same way so quickly to people that are destroying things because of Black Lives Matter. Right. Let's just think about that. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, well, a lot of that went down when Trump was still in office. And again, I think that the Department of Justice should have done a whole lot more than what they did. But a lot of the federal government was actually they were kept out of these communities. They could not have protected these communities. Right. These were blue cities with with blue mayors and blue governors. And they just let it run ragged. Right. Because it was politically expedient for them. It was good for them politically. But can you imagine if the Department of Justice was operating with any type of morality? And was, was, you know, appropriately asphyxing that to different positions and different things that are actually happening in the world, not these made up farcical things. Again, one example of violence, one, you would have thought there would have been tons of them. But again, this is the power of narrative. You guys just think about it. Cause whenever you see these different, uh, you know, people doing these surveys and things like that, and you ask them, you know, how many unarmed black men are, are killed in the United States every year? And they think it's thousands and thousands as opposed to less than 20 every single year, it's because narrative. 
And now the narrative from these people in the media and from these Democratic politicians and from people on the left is that there are people, there are people that like school board members are, are being kidnapped. They're being beaten. They're, they're, you know, being absolutely harassed to the point where they're pulling their hair out. That's what they want you to believe is happening, but it's just not the case. It's simply not the case. So we need to be real about what's actually going on here. Okay. And it's that the teachers union, they're weaponizing the federal law enforcement officers to silence parents that aren't in step with their programs and mandates. And and I I guess I should have framed that a little bit differently. It's not exactly the officers, but they are using the federal government, the federal law enforcement body to silence these parents. Okay. So remember these teachers unions and school boards are on the wrong side of every issue. Every single one of these issues, CRT, sexually explicit and perverse content in classrooms, masks and vaccine mandates, they're on the wrong side of all these things. Okay. And when you're wrong and can't prove it otherwise, You have to do whatever it takes to silence your opposition. In this instance, the opposition are angry parents. But again, these people are not interested in debate. They're not interested in you coming up there and convincing them to do something different. They have made up their minds and they just need you to shut up about it. And what's one way to get people to self-censor? If they think they're going to be put on a watch list, if they're going to be categorized under the Patriot Act as a potential domestic terrorist, right? That's why they're doing this. They're not doing this because they're actually scared because they're not. These people in very, very few cases so far, we know of one are actually being assaulted. Right. And in that instance, it wasn't a member of the school board. It was somebody that was escorting the guy out of the building, allegedly. But another thing about this whole situation is that if people on the secular left don't like your ideas or how you express them, even when you express them legally under the protection of the First Amendment, they will just categorize you as a domestic terrorist or a perpetrator of hate crimes, and or a perpetrator of hate crimes. They'll do this so they don't actually have to debate with you. Okay, so so remember when our motto used to be, we don't negotiate with terrorists? I, I guess unless you're the Taliban or the rulers of Iran, apparently, but I'll digress. But the thing is, is these people are not going to platform you. They're not going to platform dissenters by debating with you. They're not going to do it. That's why you see a lot of prominent people on the right debaters. So whether that's, you know, Ben Shapiro or uh, oh, uh, Dennis Prager or any of those types of people, they, they basically beg people on the left to debate them. And they, for the most part, won't do it. I know Ben Shapiro had a debate here recently with somebody that was, I think, an avowed socialist. But at the same time, those are few and far between. Because I think inherently these people know that their positions are untenable, but they don't want to have that proven in front of people. And there's no way for them to actually defend their positions. It's way easier for them to point at the person that's challenging their position and call them a racist. That's kind of a common thing right now, right? If you brand someone as a racist, you never have to talk to them. Well, why? Because they're a racist. They're evil. Why would I platform that person? Why would I even talk to them? Okay. They don't have to provide any evidence of their positions if they can just call you a name. Right. And they don't even have to provide any evidence to say that you are a racist or a domestic terrorist or a perpetrator of a hate crime. They just need to say it out loud. And then it'll get repeated on the Internet, on Twitter. It'll get repeated on CNN and MSNBC. And then the next day, the New York Times and Vox and the Washington Post will put out an article about it. And then all of a sudden, that's the narrative. These parents aren't just concerned parents. They're domestic terrorists. They're, They're perpetrators of hate crimes. And we know it's true. Well, how do you know it's true? I don't know. Because we said so, because we said it's true. But again, I don't just like describing what's going on. I like to actually prescribe what's, what's going on and what you can do to actually fight back. Now, remember, now I'm going to go through several different things here about how you can fight back, but just remember you're on the right side of this issue. 
whatever the issue is, right? And I already kind of went through the list of the different issues that are being debated right now. So don't ruin that by resorting to actual harassment, intimidation, threats of violence, or violence. Because some of you are so fired up and you're so, you know, desperate to protect your children. And I get it. You got that mama bear, papa bear thing going on. But these people would love nothing more than a real example of actual violence or actual harassment. Because then they could exploit that. I mean, just look at what they've been able to do with fabricated examples up to this point. They've been wickedly effective, effective enough to send a letter to the White House, get a response almost immediately from the Attorney General of the United States that says, yeah, I completely agree with you. And not only that, we're going to do what you asked of us. We're going to send out federal law enforcement to help you out, right? We're going to do it almost immediately. But another thing is you shouldn't get tired or bored or distracted at this point. You need to keep the pressure on these school districts. You need to keep the pressure on the people that are running the school districts, okay? Don't let the national news cycle distract you. Because again, and I've, I've mentioned this several times, when's the last time you thought about what's going on in Afghanistan? If you're not following the reporting of Holly McKay or anyone else, Laura Logan or anyone that's on the ground or has connections there on the ground, have you been following what's going on there? Do you know what's going on there this week? Or was that something that just happened a month ago? Oh yeah, that was really unfortunate when those people were falling from airplanes. Yeah, that was unfortunate. But uh, you know, things... Trump did a rally and I don't think I like that. Or, you know, Biden fell asleep and pooped his pants on national television. Ah, right, we need to talk about that. Don't get distracted. There's a lot of things going on that's going to take your eye off the prize. You can't let your eye off the prize at this point. Okay. Also go back and listen to episode 243. Okay. Just from last week, I gave you the steps that you can take to make sure that you have some control over what materials are in your kids' classrooms and libraries. And I even had some people like, well, how do I do that? I give you the steps there. I, what was it like seven, eight or nine steps? Like I just put it right there. And there are even parents that are being frozen out by school districts across the country that are suing the school districts, right? Under the Freedom of Information Act. Get together with some parents that have some means and make sure that you can do that. You have to know what's going on. If you've got to get into the school, I'm not, I'm not telling you to break the law, but if you got to get in in a unique way so that you can confirm things for yourself, I would encourage you to do that. Again, I'm not telling you to break the law to anyone that's going to clip this later and put it on some stupid blog. But I do have some tips and tricks that I want to give to some of you because I know for some of you, and this is what we'll kind of wrap up with, you're thinking about actually addressing your school board. You're looking at your calendar and you see a school board meeting coming up and you're like, okay, I think I want to go up and speak, speak my mind. I think I want to be bold and I'm, I want to you know, bring some other parents with me, but I want to speak my mind. So here are some tips. Number one, don't show up alone, okay? You want to make sure, this is what some people do. They'll put people in the audience. They'll put people in the crowd that agree with them. So they want to make sure that they'll clap and go crazy. Even at fights, you'll hear it like coaches in different corners. Anytime a strike lands, even if it's not a great strike, they're like, hey, yeah. Or, you know, they're screaming because they're thinking that influences the judges. Okay. So make sure that when you make your point that you're not doing it to crickets. Okay. So that's tip number one. Here's another tip. Brevity is king. Okay. I know most of you don't get paid to talk for a living. But most of you think that the longer you make your point, the stronger your point is. The exact opposite is true. If you've got a really, really good point, you don't need to keep repeating it. So one thing that you'll notice, and you'll notice this in interviews, you'll notice this in political speeches, there are people, even in, in comedy specials, I saw one recently that, that kind of had this, is when you don't think your point lands, you repeat it. Almost like, oh, my audience must have missed that. Like, oh, everyone in the audience, all hundreds or thousands of them must have missed this. I'm going to go ahead and just repeat it. Typically what that means is the point that you brought up is not as good as you thought it was. Okay. So just be brief. You want to make sure you're brief, make your point and get it out of there. Another tip 
is since there is a time constraint, and I know we're getting granular here, but this is important. Since there's a time constraint on public comments, could be two minutes, could be three minutes or, or one minute, depending upon where you're at, know exactly what you're going to say. Okay. And if necessary, write it out so that you can read it. Okay. Now I will tell you, doing what I do and in kind of my training, I have this ability and I have this gift from God that I can just kind of flow. You know, give me five bullet points on a sheet of paper and I can flow for a, a, a long length of time. But again, something like this podcast, it can be as long or short as I want it to be. But when you're in a time constraint, everything changes. Okay. So if you're reading too fast, if you're reading too slow, you might miss out on your time. You might miss out on your point. But again, that's why it's important to kind of go ahead and write this thing out. And, you know, go ahead and have it written out in a way to where if you want to just straight up read it, you can do that. Or you can kind of flow a little bit. Okay. Which goes into the next thing, which is practice what you're going to say over and over. Again, most people think they, they completely overestimate their ability to get up and speak and do it well. Right. It is a skill set is not an easy thing to do to get your point across in a, in a brief manner that is cogent and understandable. Okay. So practice what you're going to say. So if you're going to sit there and read it, Set the timer, hit go, and then read your statement. Okay, great. Then you're going to do it again. And then do it again. And then do it again and again and again. And just make sure that you get all the marbles out of your mouth before you go up there. Because you want to make sure that you provide the, you know, the, the right amount of information and that you do it in a way that is easily digestible for the audience. Okay? But here's another tip that I would like to give you. And this is probably the most important tip to any parents thinking about doing this or community members. Don't begin with yelling in anger. Don't do that. Okay. We don't need to use those methods because we're on the right, you know, virtuous side of these issues. So a problem that I've seen a lot of people do is they get up to these meetings and the very first thing they do is when they're like, okay, Mr. So-and-so it's your time. They start yelling and you're going to do this. And I demand and I blah, blah, blah. The thing about it is when you start there, you're easily tuned out even by the people that agree with you. Now, again, I understand that you're angry. And I understand that you're on the right side, you're on the righteous side, the virtuous side on this issue. But when you start with yelling and anger, there's nowhere else for you to go, really, because you've started at the crescendo. And so if you speak for thir- three minutes, you're maybe going to feel, you know, a little bit cathartic. You may be going to feel great afterwards. But at the end of the day, that wasn't the most positive, beneficial thing for you to do, like by any stretch of the imagination. You should have composed yourself. And if you get angry and you get hyped up while you're giving your speech, Maybe that's acceptable because we've seen that happen with parents that were being interrupted and then all of a sudden their, their anger and, you know, kind of bubbled to the surface. But again, you're on the right side. You don't need to scream. Part of the reason why people on their side that think the way they do have to scream and yell over you is because they know what you're saying is correct. They know they're on the wrong side, but if they yell loud enough and for long enough, they're going to drown you out. Don't do that. Don't be that person. And again, if you're going to read this over and over and over, it takes a little bit of the, 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 you know, sting out of what, out of what the emotion for you, right? You've seen people talk about this when they're delivering a eulogy, they'll write out the eulogy and they'll read it over and over and over again. So that when they get up to give it, they can be in complete control. Cause it's just words on a page at that point. doesn't mean they mean them any less, but it, it helps them kind of get through it. Right. And be someone that can be seen as a pillar of strength. So don't start with yelling and anger, start relax. And here's the last thing here. Don't be shocked. If you don't go viral or if the school board tunes you out anyway. Okay. Some of these people are actually going to these school board meetings, I think, because they want to go viral, but you know, that's, you know, maybe another discussion for another day, but the school boards, they're going to see, you know, hours and hours and hours of public testimony and comments, and then they vote however they're going to vote. There's nothing that anyone could have said, even a threat that would have gotten them off of their vote. So you need to understand that. 
But that doesn't mean you shouldn't go. It doesn't mean it's futile at that point. It just means you should understand that the outcome may not be what you want it to be. But other people are going to hear you and they're going to see you because most of these people are elected into the positions that they're in, right? And if you are another voice in the community that can affect other voices, that's an easy way to get them out of office the right way, right? You're not going to do it with violence. You're not going to do it with threats. You're just, hey, we got someone else in there that thinks like we do. You're out. Democracy, right? Like that's kind of like a straight up local democracy, right? We're going to have our voices heard because you're not doing what we want you to do. And this takes me back to the scripture from the very beginning, Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Guys, that's pushing back darkness. That's what we're trying to get you to do. We're equipping you to be able to push back darkness because guys, there's darkness all over these situations. I say it every week now. There's darkness all over these situations and we need to expose them. But the reason why I want to say, when, and I'll read it again, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. This drives home the point. Don't be the harasser. Don't be the intimidator. Don't threaten violence. Don't be violent. You don't have to be because you're right. All right, guys, before we go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now at Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So the links I've got for you today, I've got a link to our book list, the 100 books every modern Christian man should read. But then also I've got the National School Boards Association letter to Joe Biden. So you can read that. It's about, you know, six or seven pages long. I also have the response from Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, there. So you can check that out. And then there's also a press release from the Department of Justice that reflects the same information. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave a positive review. If you want to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. We also want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The intro-outro track on this podcast is our song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>